The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and last week we, we, we started this thing, and uh, we're excited about it. Now, Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday, and it's going to be a big day for Christian life. We believe that this is the greatest week of the whole year because we believe in the Holy Week. We believe in in the death, burial, and resurrection, and we believe that is the gospel. And we believe Calvary did it all for us, folks. You believe that? When Jesus said it was finished, he meant that. It's finished. It's over. It's over. And a priest could never sit down in his time when he was working in the house of God, the tabernacle and the temple, could never sit down because his work was never done. But the high priest, Jesus Christ, said it is done. It's finished. And when he said that, hell knew he was defeated. And so we celebrate. We're going to celebrate the cross. We're going to celebrate the burial. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. And it's going to be a great week. Next, next Sunday, Pastor Brett Jones, who is a wordsmith par excellence, is going to be with us on Sunday. He is my B-I-L, my brother-in-law. He's my wife's middle brother. And uh, he is quite a minister of the gospel, very passionate about what he does. They have a wonderful church in Humble called Grace Church. And they have four campuses, and they run on average about seven to 8,000 people a week. And we're very happy to have him leaving his place on Palm Sunday to come and be with us. But that's what brother-in-laws that are older than you can get because we have clout. Amen. We have clout. It's called clout. So clout, ask a preacher to come, and he's going to bless us on Sunday. Then next Wednesday, Javen Chavez, who is the youth pastor for Jensen Franklin's California campus, uh, pastor Jensen uh, has a wonderful youth pastor named, named Javen Chavez, and he's going to be with us. He's been with us three straight Wednesday nights on Holy Week Revival, and it's going to be phenomenal. If you've never heard Javen Chavez preach, you owe it to yourself. The youngin can flat out throw the word at you, and we're excited about that. Now, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Ask, stand up one more time. We're going to act like Catholics tonight. Stand up one more time. <laughs> we love all the Catholics. We love the Methodist and the Presbyterian and the Baptist, and we love them all. And uh, I'm going to speak tonight on this subject. Now, it's going to be a little bit different than what I spoke on last week. I don't know if it will be more uh, uh, information than it will inspiration, but there is some inspiration in this day. But I want I want to talk to you tonight on the wind blows. Say it with me. The wind, the wind blows. blows. Anybody ever been in West Texas? Amen. Chicago? Austin. <laughs> Steve Rogers is a member of our church. Steve, holler at me. All right. Love you, buddy. Steve is the superintendent of the of the Horseshoe Bay Golf Courses, and he asked if he could comp uh, me to come out there and play last Friday, and I said, well, I'll have to pray about that. <laughs> and I prayed, and God gave me an answer in about two seconds. <laughs> the quickest prayer I've ever had answered in my life. <laughs> And so we went out, 10 of us, and we played. I have a Bible study group that I'm meeting in the morning, and a lot of those men are starting to come to church. I hear the ex-sheriff down in, in San Marcos was here Sunday, and I'm sorry I missed him. Uh, Don's my buddy, and uh, he'll be back. But, but 10 of us went, and Steve comped us all. And Steve, I want to celebrate you in front of this church. What a blessing it was, even though, uh, even though I didn't play well, and I didn't play but half the time. Got to be with Coach Fred Akers. Coach Akers is suffering with dementia and Alzheimer's, and 
but he still knows to preach it. And I got to be with him, and I got to tee his ball up, and I got to get him positioned in the right place. And when he reared back and hit it, he could still hit it. He may not be thinking properly, but he can still hit a golf ball because he's an athlete. And so we got to be with him, and it was a joy. And Steve, you made it possible. Thank you very much. I'm going to speak today. That's all right. Clap for him. That's good. I'm going to speak today on the wind. The wind blows. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be texting John chapter three. I'll be there a little bit later, but not right now. I want you to say, Pastor, Pastor. teach to us tonight. <laughs> Let the word touch my mind. Let, touch my mind. Let, it, change my mind. Let it change my mind. Teach to us tonight. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Pastor, teach to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. You may be seated. God bless you. Anybody got a hankering to come to the 130 service on Easter? The year was 1809, 1809. Napoleon was in the middle of conquering Austria. On April the 14th, he defeated Austria in the Battle of Abensburg, Bavaria. On April the 20th, he again defeats Austria in the same place, Bavaria. He had to whip them twice because they were tough. April the 22nd of 1809, the Battle of Eckmuhl, Napoleon beats Austria's Archduke Karl. But on May 21st, the Battle of Aspern, Aspern Essling, Austrian Archduke Karl beats Napoleon. On July the 5th and the 6th, the Battle of Wagram, Napoleon beats Archduke Charles, and on and on it goes. In the space of about eight months, Napoleon conquered Austria. And at the same time that this was going on in our world, some of the greatest births people were being born in the world were happening at the same time. Men like Lewis Braille, who created the blind system for reading and writing, he was born during that space of 1809. Kit Carson, the old American frontiersman, was born in 1809, about the same time. Alfred Lord Tennyson, the poet laureate of the United Kingdom, was born during those eight months of 1809. Edgar Allan Poe, quote the raven, nevermore. American writer and poet, Charles Darwin, The Origin of Species, The Theory of Evolution. Mr. Darwin was born during that time. And, of course, Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president, the man that produced the Emancipation Proclamation and brought healing to America. They were all born during that space. So while millions of people were watching Austria fall, there was a birth of unbelievable talent, unbelievable ability, unbelievable leadership that would affect and change our world forever. The world was captured, all the newspapers, everybody wrote about it, by the sunset of Austria. They knew Austria was going under. While a sunrise of world leaders was taking place on the same globe. If we do not watch ourselves in 2017, we can become a, sense, a sunset people in a sunrise dispensation. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in our world today. And it's getting the headlines because if it doesn't bleed, it never does lead. And so the bad news gets headlines and we are besieged with bad news on every hand. 
We're living in closing times, yes, and even by the man calendar, the earth was no longer supposed to exist after December 21st, 2012. There was even a movie released about it. The day of the Lord, they said, was at hand and God was coming back and people were fearful and fear came upon the world and even Christians were asking me during that time, Pastor, do you really think this is it? Hell will probably try to have a heyday about this either way, saying, you know, once again, it was a false prophecy, so the Lord is not coming. Or you better stay fearful because he loves fear and he loves unbelief. But Joel 2 said, in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on sons and daughters and handmaids and on servants. All will feel the power of the Spirit. It's going to happen. I read a thing in a, in a newspaper, read an article in the newspaper on a plane about 10 years ago, about 10 years ago, but it never has left my mind about, about a country called Argentina where people were receiving the Holy Spirit like 600 per hour on a 24-hour day. They were receiving the Spirit. It was just falling in that country. And I read it, and it was, it was quite an awakening that they were having. And there's been other awakenings. There's been awakenings in China. There's been awakenings in Russia. This Holy Spirit is not playing games. He's the real deal. He's the real deal. My question tonight is, are you watching the sunset and listening to the news about how bad it is and how everything's going to the dust, or are you looking for the sunrise? Do you believe that in, there's a dispensation being birthed in this world that the latter rain and the former rain are going to come down together and God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh? I just believe, folks, I'm just simple enough to believe. I'm just simple enough to believe that if God kicked the devil out of heaven with one-third of the angels and then Jesus went into hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, the devil don't even own keys to his own house. He has to ask for entrance and exit out of his own house. I don't think that the Lord's going to lose the battle on this earth. I don't think anarchy and chaos and division and sin and all kinds of problems are going to be the victor on earth. He won in heaven. He won in hell. He will win here. He will win here. There is a revival. There is a revival. And it's not just going to be people saying, I receive the Lord in my life. It's a revival of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. Amen. Clap your hands and say, I want to be a part of that. It's a sunrise that is happening in a sunset generation. Luke 1 calls the Messiah's birth a day spring. A day spring. He said it's like a day spring. His birth casts light on darkness. What's the end time? What's he going to do in the end time? You see, Jesus and Nicodemus met one night because Nicodemus was a man who was a Pharisee and was a high-ranking official in Israel. And a Pharisee really couldn't be seen with the Lord. And he came to him at night and said, We know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do what you've done except he be of God. And I take up my reading in the third chapter, in the third verse, and Jesus just hit him right up beside the head said, Except a man is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus said, how can this be? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time 
And Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the big S spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And then he said in verse 8, the wind blows where it listeth. And you hear it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You got it? My first point is simply this. There's one thing I've discovered about the wind. You can't quarantine the wind. You cannot quarantine the wind. Years ago, Austria had a hoof and mouth disease and it was just, I mean, Ireland had a hoof and mouth disease and it was discovered there. And England knew that the wind was blowing from the Ireland direction across the English Channel to England. And they tried to keep that hoof and mouth disease out of their country so they quarantined all their animals and put them up in, in nice barns and they, they extra shielded the barns. They did all they could to protect them and they raised walls of resistance and they spilt, sp built special barns for safety. They quarantined everything they could to keep it well and healthy. Yet there was one thing they could not quarantine. They couldn't quarantine the wind. The wind kept blowing. And it blew and it infected England. And thousands of animals died as a result. Wind blows, folks, where it wants to. That's my second point. Wind blows where it wants to. If it decides to blow out of the east, it's coming. If it decides to change direction while you're playing golf and you want a good southerly breeze to help your ball get down the fairway and the Lord not liking you that day, he must might turn it out of the north and let it hit you in the head. The wind blows where it wants to blow. There was a smog in L.A. a few years back and the mayor said on the radio and TV, what this city needs is a wind from elsewhere. <laughs> and all of a sudden a wind came and the smog was blown away. The same wind that blew infection in blew smog away. We talk about tornadoes. We talk about the F1 to F5 category tornadoes. We talk about hurricane winds that come, categories one through five. And we talk about these winds that are so strong and so powerful and how they can do great things and how they do mighty things. And they can take an ordinary car and put it up on the top of a tree where you couldn't even build a tree house at one time. They put a car up there. They can take a house and turn it upside down. They can lift one off its foundation and transport it three blocks and put it down. And the house is still intact, but it's been moved three blocks. It's amazing what wind can do for us. Back in the 80s, the government, our United States government, created what they call the silver bullet theorem. And thinking that an exploding canister in the middle of a hurricane would dissipate the wind and cause it to break up and go away. It didn't work. They flew planes into the eyes of the hurricane and they dropped those canisters and explode them, trying to explode and bring silence to that wind. You know why? You know why they couldn't stop it? Because Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind will blow. The wind's going to blow. It doesn't matter what denomination says, the wind's going to blow. It doesn't matter what church officials say, the wind is going to blow. It doesn't matter if I'm for it or against it, the wind's going to blow. I can't hinder the wind from blowing. I can't stop the wind from blowing. I just stand here. I can either stand here and enjoy it or stand here and try to fight it. But as for me and my house, we've enjoyed the wind for a long time. And this church is a spirit-filled church. And it will continue to enjoy the wind of the Spirit of God. 
I find it interesting that Jesus' first comparison of the Holy Ghost was to the wind. The wind. The Bible had spoken of it as oil. The oil of the Spirit. The fire. John said he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost and fire. It was called water. But Jesus called it wind. His first enunciation of the Spirit was wind. Maybe it's because oil does lose viscosity and it gets rancid. Maybe because fires finally will burn themselves out. Maybe it's because water will be soaked into the ground and the earth is never satisfied. It just keeps taking in the water. But the wind, the wind, it just blows and blows and blows. And the blowing of the wind can change the whole topography of the land. I was raised in West Texas, folks. There's some sand dunes out in West Texas around Odessa and Midland. And we used to ride four-wheelers on those things. And I loved them. But you know what? We would mark where we wanted to go back the next day and ride by, by, the, by, the, by the fences along the road. Okay, we'd, we'd mark a fence post and say, okay, that's the sand dune we want to get back to. But if the wind blew that night, if the wind blew that night, we'd come back and we'd look at the mark on that, on that fence post and it, the hill wasn't there anymore. It had been transferred a little bit because the wind has a way of transferring and changing topographies. I want to tell you something. You're in a place that I do not control. I'm a yielded vessel of the Holy Spirit. God directs this house. This is a house where the Spirit of God lives. And healing can be found in this house. And deliverance can be found in this house. And healing can be found in this house. And Holy Ghost can be found in this house. Because when the wind blows, God knows how to change this hill to here. And that make this place a plain so you can walk on it. God knows how to level out the playing field. When the wind starts blowing, the land starts looking different because God's wind will always blow. Mm. Acts 2. There came a sound from heaven. Everybody say heaven. heaven. Don't say hell, say heaven. heaven. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing Mighty wind. I don't know if it's an F2, F3. I don't know. But it filled all the house they were sitting. Folks, I've been in services in my life. And some of you folks with spirit-filled backgrounds, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Things just kind of going along. Just kind of going along and sing a little song and do a little ditty. And somebody gives a testimony. I'm so glad Jesus found me and the devil hates me and we used to have testimony service when I was a kid. And we had one little old woman said, the devil's been after me all day, bless his holy name. <laughs> That's a fact. And I, I, I made a note, mental note, note to self, do not have testimony services when you pastor someday. Because I don't want the devil being after us all day, bless his holy name. I want God to be keeping us all day, bless his holy name. And all of a sudden, there'd just be kind of a, a bound. The spirit would hit. Just out of nowhere, the wind blows. You don't know, you can hear it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And the wind would just come, and people would find God, and people would be healed. And about 15, 20 minutes later, sometime 30 minutes later, it was gone. Where did it come from? Or better yet, where did it go? Why didn't it just start a little circle here and just start getting everybody? But the wind blew. 
People were healed. Salvation was found. Folks were delivered. Families were put together. I can't explain it. If I could, I would, but I can't. Because God just lets the wind blow from time to time. But I do know this. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. If you want something in your life, the Bible said open your mouth wide and God will fill it. That is not talking about preaching. I should prepare myself to preach this gospel. But if you want something from God, open up your mouth wide and let God fill you with his joy. Start laughing. Start rejoicing in the Holy Ghost. And watch God do a great number in your life because he's looking for a vessel to fill. Say amen to that. It's amazing that of all the comparisons of the new believer, Jesus chose to compare it to the wind. It blows. It's unstoppable. It goes wherever it wants. What the Lord is saying is very simple. I'm putting it on the screen. When one is born of the wind of the Spirit, that person becomes unstoppable. I want to put some confidence in, in you right now like you've never had. I want you to bow up. I'm sorry to use that term in the pulpit, but they use it in the gymnasium. I want you to bow up and say, no, that's not, not today, not tomorrow. You're not going to run this house. This house belongs to Jesus Christ. You're not going to run this house. You're not going to take over here. The takeover's already been took over. Jesus owns this place, and there's a no vacancy sign in my life, and you're not going to run me over and put me under and cause me to want to quit on God. I'm not quitting on God. I'm going to hang on because God is with me and I have an unstoppable entity in my life. Say amen to that. Hell does not like this kind of teaching. Acts 1 and 8 said you shall receive power. Say power. Power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you in Acts 1 and 8. You shall be witnesses. Now I want to teach a little bit here. There's five Greek words for the word power in the New Testament. Five Greek words. The first I want to bring to you is a word called kratos. Put it on the screen, kratos. I don't know if I spelled it right. This sounded good. No, I got that out of the book. That word means strength. You shall receive strength after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to get some strength. Anybody need some strength in your life? You're going to get some strength. Hallelujah. It's not that kind. It's this kind. I'm still here. I'm standing. I'm believing. God's with me. God's for me. And I'm gaining every day. I'm not losing. I'm going forward. The second word is a word called dunamis. Dunamis. You've heard that many times. It means dynamite. That's the one used in Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive dynamite. Light the fuse, somebody. (gasps) Explosive power. Tremendous power. Hell is afraid of your dynamite spirit. He can't handle you. He cannot control you because you are filled with the power of God, the dunamis of God. And there's nothing that can compete with that from hell because it's from the other world. And that devil lost to that God twice. And he's looking at a third round knockout. The third word is exousia. I love this one. 
It means absolute, unrestricted authority. You know, when Adam was created and was given the garden, the Lord said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. I love that word, take dominion. Now, now can you see Adam walking through the garden? Can you see him? And here comes this tiger, here comes this lion, the king of the jungle, up. And Adam just looks at him and says, uh-uh, what are you thinking? No, 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 no. Not me, not today, not ever. Stay. And that lion goes, meow. That old bear, he's hungry. He's man hungry. And he's about nine foot six. And Adam says, how you doing, big boy? What you thinking? Get off your hind legs and get down here where you belong. Get on my level and go over there and take care of your little cubs. You're not going to mess with me today. Go. He had dominion. He had dominion. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, there's a dominion power that hell cannot handle. You can say, that's enough. That's far enough. No, 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 not today. You absolutely can stop the forces of hell in the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. You can stand firm on exousia, absolute, unrestricted authority and dominion. The fourth word, I don't know if I can pronounce it, is megliothoth. Megalioth. Megalioth. You know what it means? It means grandeur, splendor, immensity, majesty. It means you are somebody. You have the gift of God in your life. He's not just walking with you, he's walking in you. Is this offending anybody? The Holy Ghost gives you that Magalioth's power of grandeur and splendor and immensity. And you know why? Because we know, because he dwells in us, that he's coming back to get us. We know his imminent return is coming. And we know we're getting ready to meet him in the air one day. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead will also quicken our mortal bodies. And we understand that and so we live in a grandeur, in a splendor, in an immensity, in a majesty. We don't live as has-beens and outcasts and nobodies. We live as somebodies that know where we're headed because we have the Holy Spirit alive in our hearts and our lives. And I love this last one and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to lose some people's attention here because I'm about to lose my mind right now. When I found this one, I saved it till the last. The word is seer, pronounced cheer, C-H-E-I-R. Here's what it means. It means by the help or agency of, of one, by means of anyone, applied to God, symbolizing his might, his activity, his power, in his creation, in his upholding and preserving, in his punishing of evil and determining and controlling the destinies of men. I walk with the aid of that God. In other words, I have a godfather. <laughs> Are you a part of the mob? Yeah. The godfather is my heavenly father. I got a godfather. I love that. Is that all right if I preach it that way? Don't mess with me. Don't you mess it with me. Because if you mess it with me, I got a godfather going to take you out. I love that. 
I know it sounds hokey, but that's the way I felt it. That's the way I want to preach it because I believe with all my heart there is power. There is power in heaven that overwhelms any power on this earth or hell. It's amazing while I was studying this. It's amazing. We've got a lady that works here whose grandfather was in the mafia. Adasa dies. Grandfather was in the mafia. He was a godfather. And I asked her all about it the other day. And I said, well, are we treating you all right? I don't want to mess with anybody whose grandfather is in the mafia and he's still alive and active. Does he check on you? Does he ask about Pastor Rex or Pastor Brad or Pastor? Does he ask about us, how we're doing? Oh, God. So I go to preach in Louisville, and the Hollis family are beautiful people, wonderful people. I wish I had a picture of them. They're just beautiful people. And they have two sons who married two girls that are great girls, but one of them's daddy is mafia. And he's not a good man. If this gets out, I didn't say it. <laughs> He's a tough man. And I said, Haley, how do, you, how do you like me? You think you're going to get along with me this weekend till I get out of here? She said, yeah, but the jury's still out. She was teasing. The jury's still out. If I don't like you, I'll call my dad and he'll handle you. Just the thought of that makes me go. <laughs> but then I discovered this word. I'm connected to one who owns it all, created it all, and he's my godfather. And if something starts working on me that I can't handle, I just say, oh, Father, which art in heaven, come on, help me right now. And that heavenly Father will come to where I am. He'll come to where I am. He'll rescue me where I am because I have a godfather myself. Anybody get happy about that? Come on, we got a godfather. Well, it blessed me. People that are filled with the Holy Ghost control their own destiny. A person born of the Spirit of God cannot be stopped, cannot be stymied, will not be defeated. The wind blows. Your worship cannot be quieted. The wind blows. Your Bible reading is at your disposal. The wind blows. Your prayer life is yours. The wind blows. 1 John 4 and 4, this is PJV version, PJV, Pastor Johnson version. The greater is in you, not the one that is in the world. That's my Bible verse to you. The power within is greater than the forces without. The devil, your unsaved loved ones, this world cannot stop you from doing God's work and God's business because the wind blows. And so is every man that is born of the Spirit. Let me speak of quitism. It's probably a made-up word. Q-U-I-T-I-S-M. Quitism. Probably a made-up word. I want to address that word right now. Too much of that in the world today and in church worlds today. People just quitting. Over 7,000 churches closed last year. People just quitting. Large church pastors just quitting. Just quitting. People just walking out and saying, I don't want this anymore. 
watching sunsets of trouble, not sunrises of promises and blessings that God has for us. The day star is here, and he's here to take darkness away and bring light to all of us. Giving up on marriages, giving up on kids, giving up on jobs, giving up on education, giving up on family and church and God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31, it's just how I wrote it. The Lord faints not, neither is he weary. There's no searching of his understanding. Then there's a but there. But he gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Heard about a woman went to a doctor one day and she had a cold. And the doctor said, you got this from kissing. She came home, told her husband. He said, I hadn't had a cold in 15 years. <laughs> Who have you been kissing? I would like to pose that question to all of you who want to quit. Who have you been kissing? You can't hang on. You can't love Jesus Christ in one world and, and, and have one foot here and the other foot in the world. You can't do that. You can't hug the world and hug Jesus. You've got to love one and despise the other. You've got to cling to one and turn loose of the other one. You did not get that give up, give in idea from God because he gives power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. I want to say hallelujah. Some of you need to wrap Jesus up right now and say, Lord, I want to hold on until I get stronger because the, the pastor is preaching that the wind's going to blow and I'm going to be filled and the Holy Ghost is going to direct my life and I'm going to have victory and power and I've got a Godfather in my life. I want, to, I want to preach a little bit about why churches get stuck. Can I preach about that, why churches get stuck? Because a, a lot of churches get stuck. You know what I mean by stuck? They just, get, they just get stuck. They just can't move. It's not moving. The church is up, down, up, down. It's like, like the book of Judges. Victory, defeat, victory, defeat. And if one looks at the old maps of the ocean currents, you'll see great areas just north of the equator in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Indian Oceans. They're marked doldrums doldrums. This is an area between the prevailing oceanic winds. It's an area where the air is very warm, it's very still, and it's very humid. And sea captains try their best to avoid the doldrums. Now and then a careless captain would sail his ship directly into the center of doldrums or the doldrums area would shift north or south and ships took on a different look when they went into the doldrums and when the wind died. The sails would sag and droop. The whole ship would take on an appearance of fatigue. The sun would beat down. The interior of the ship would become like a smelly, humid, humid dungeon. Sailors would get sick. Occasionally, light, baffling winds would cause excitement. But in the doldrum winds, blow this way and that with no consistency. In the doldrums, terrible killing storms may be generated in certain seasons. And if you have a sail, the only hope was a sustained breeze on your ship. Ships that were caught for too long, the crews died. And when the wind blew, they all thanked God for the wind. Here's what I want to tell you. I think one of the reasons that this church has stayed out of that stuck posture is because I'm not afraid to call on the Holy Ghost to come and help us. It's not by our might. It's not by our power. But it's by His Spirit. We must have His Spirit in this house. Now, we're not going to get goofy, we're not going to get crazy, but we must have his spirit in this house. The Holy Ghost has to be the lead in this house. 
He is here for us to save us, to, 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 to change us, to turn our lives around. He wants to fill us with his glory. I believe that with all my heart. And I want this whole church, I want this whole church to understand that I want everybody in this house, everybody that calls the name of the Lord, I want you filled to the overflow with the Spirit of God in your life. Because I believe that you are living in an area of life that you are not ex exercising the power and the authority and the strength that you need in this life. He will give you power like you've never known before. He'll give you strength like you've never known before. I'm not telling you because of me and this church. It's not just the posture of this church. I believe this all my life. When I was a seven-year-old boy, I received the Lord in my life. When I was nine years old, I received the Holy Spirit. If I hadn't had the Holy Spirit in my life, I would not be standing here today preaching because of the tragedies and hardships that's come in my life. But thanks be unto God. He gives us the victory. He gives us hope. He gives us strength. And two weeks after I buried my wife, I was in the pulpit again saying, the Lord is still my shepherd and I will not want. And I'm standing here today saying, the Lord is still my shepherd. He's an awesome God. Somebody help me. He's an awesome God. We must not get in the doldrums. The wind must blow in this church. I'm almost through. I'm almost through. I've bored some of you today as I'm almost through. Valentin Grimaldi in 1996 was on his way from Blanco to Johnson City on Highway 281. He saw something in the grass movement and he wished over to see what it was. It was a coral snake. It bit him on the hand. It was red and yellow. It was going to kill a fellow. He took it off his hand and bit his head off. Tough. Made him some incisions. Sucked a little poison out of his hand. And then took that dead snake and made a tourniquet around his arm. <laughs> Kept walking to Johnson City. Went to a medical center. His hand was swollen. His arm was swollen. They said, sir, what have you been bitten by? He said, this is what's on my arm here. They said, sir, that's a very poisonous snake. He said, I know it. But I refuse to let this snake stop me from getting to Johnson City. So I bit his head off. I wrapped him around my arm. Can you all fix me? They put some antivenom in him. He was revived in just a little while. He walked out a well man. Here's the point. You can either, when you see things happen in your life, you can either let it bite you. Stay there and be destroyed. Or by the power of the Holy Ghost. You can say, no, not today. Not today. <laughs> because John saw a city coming down. Called a new Jerusalem like a bride adorned for her husband. And I know it sounds like fairy tale in 2017, but this preacher still believes in a hereafter, hereafter. There is a heaven coming down, and I will not allow any bite from the serpent to keep me from the city. I'm going to the city. I close tonight, Randy, if you'll help me. I close tonight. I've enjoyed teaching to you on the wind tonight. I close tonight. Thomas Kinsey was a pastor in Salem, New Hampshire. 
tells about a birthday card he sent his dad one day. It was his dad's 75th birthday. And Kenzie's card had two boats on the outside. One boat was a sailboat. The other was a rowboat. And he wondered if his father had to make, if he had to make the choice which boat he would prefer to cross the body of water. And Kenzie brought the card and the note to his dad. And in the note to his dad, he shared the thoughts he had the card in the card shop. He said, then he asked his father this question on the card. In your simple style of living, daddy, and with your ability to decide things that make the most sense, which boat would you choose? And several weeks later, he received this response from his father. I noticed that the rowboat had no engine. But the sailboat had a sail. My question, son, before making a decision, is there any wind? There is still a wind of Pentecost in the world today. I don't care what religion has tried to do with it, tried to destroy it, tried to put it under, call it for the simple Say it was simple-minded people. Yes, the Galileans were not the high-class high folks of that day. But it's an amazing thing. When God had to confound and stop a tower from being built called Babel, he sent a diversion of language. And when he wanted to bring unity in the church into order, he brought all languages together. God is a God that speaks the language that we all need to hear in this hour. And the language is this, the Holy Spirit is for everybody. And I'm pouring it out on all flesh, on all flesh. Everybody repeat with me, the Holy Spirit is not out of business. He still fills hungry hearts. He, he still fills questing souls, thirsty lives, broken dreams, dysfunctional families bitter spirits he's still the filler somebody needs to let the wind blow in their life the wind blows the wind blows now I'm very tame compared to what I used to be when I preach on the Holy Spirit I'm very tame God has not only slowed me down because of my age, He's also slowed me down because people need to understand this and not just try to feel an emotion, but understand the position in the Word of God. But my question that I want you to all pose to yourself tonight before you go home, the Holy Spirit is not relative today. Why in the name of God is it in the Bible? can believe the Father created it all and the Son redeemed us from it all. Are we just going to throw the Holy Spirit away or do we believe He can fill us all? Do you believe there is a revival where God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh? On all flesh. On all flesh. On all flesh. You need to ask yourself that question denominationally not rhetorically but you need to ask yourself that question it's not trying to get you in a church it's trying to get you in a position to receive something 
people have told you it's not for you for a little too long. It's for you. Believe this pastor tonight, it's for you. You can have it. If you don't watch yourself, if you start letting the wind blow, you'll get it in the most unlikely place. Like watching a soap opera or something. God will use any way to get you into a realm where you feel vulnerable. And when you feel that vulnerable spirit and you understand it, you, you're broken on the inside because he's very nigh to those with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And when you get contrite in the presence of God, get ready. Get ready. He's fixed to come with something. He'll rain down on you. Precious power of the Holy Spirit. It'll be the most awesome thing. You'll be called him at 2.30 in the morning. Pastor, I just received the Holy Spirit. And I'll get out of bed and dance a little bit and go back to sleep. Because it'll give you comfort and peace like nothing will ever give you comfort and peace. It comes along beside you. It's a paraclete. It's a precious presence. Would you stand all over the house? You're awesome people. Thank you for indulging me for this last 40 minutes or so. Amen. I've enjoyed these last two Wednesday nights. You've enjoyed them? Come on, clap your hands. You've enjoyed them? Clap your hands.